millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ben Roy Turner. Hello there. And Josh Brown. Hello there. Hello, both chaps. Now we're only, let me let me see, it's four hours and 47 minutes until the reveal of what Abandoned is. And who even knows what that's going to be? Is it, is it Silent Hill? This. Is it Metal <laughs> Hill? Is it Silent Gear Solid? Who even knows? It's almost definitely nothing, but I have downloaded the Abandoned app. Um, and I'll wait and see. Very quick thoughts on the, on the state of Abandoned. Are you guys going to be tuning in at 8 o'clock to see what it is? I'm just going to get your response. Like, I'm not going to tune in. I'm just going to see what you say about it on Twitter or maybe in the DMs. And uh-huh. that's all I need to know. And I'll enjoy it through the medium of Scott Tilford. The, the medium one of 2021's best games. Ben Roy, do you believe? Uh, I'm trying to find Hassan's Ka- Hassan Cameron's location. It's kind of like that scene in Goldeneye <laughs> where I'm pinging different servers as I'm trying not to be found by the FBI at the same time. Because I want to find this actor man if he's mm-hmm. not real. When he's not real and it's big, big Kojima comes out of nowhere out like Kool-Aid man. Like and Randy also, Orton. Yeah, it's just like weird. I don't know, right? Like weird <laughs> things like I saw someone say that this, the font they're using is the same font they've used in the Last of Us menus. And oh, stuff. brother, the, the the font that's on the website is called yeah. San Antonio. San Antonio, the street in Texas. There's a street called Silent Hill right next to it. Just You just... <laughs> Do whatever you need to do to make it work. Um, but still, for this week's podcast, um, we just put the question out. We thought we'd just see what people want us to talk about um, because we're still in that sort of holding pattern between any bigger releases coming out. And the, uh, thanks to everybody for sending in their questions, some absolutely brilliant questions. Um, so we'll get through as many as we can. First one from Michael Hillman. Why are the Metal Gear Solid games so much better than the Resident Evil ones? Oh, I have a response to that. One Go second, on. one second, one second. I don't know if I, I mean, I like, I, yeah, like overall. <laughs> and Josh, for the audio listeners, has gone. He has He's gone. Dead. He's been replaced with his own name tag and nothing else. I don't, I don't know how to coax him back unless the abandoned is actually Metal Gear Solid. But um, I don't know. What do we think about this? If you, if you compared the entire franchise, is Metal Gear a better series of games than Resident Evil? I think it is. Well, it's, it's weird, man, because I feel like I'm in the middle here because on the mm. one hand, in one corner, I've got Scott Telford, the biggest Metal Gear Solid fan I know. And on Lally the other Lally. hand, in the other corner, Ben Roy Turner, the biggest Resident Evil fan <laughs> I know. So I'm excited to see you two battle it out because for me, personally, I'll get my opinion out of the way first. Mm. I think it's the most uninteresting one. But I just think they're, they're so different, aren't they? They're so completely different games. Man. I love them both. I wouldn't even want to compare them. wouldn't even want to do it. wouldn't want to compare two things I love and have them fight to the death, which is what we're doing here. So for me, I don't think Metal Gear 
I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm in the middle. Oh. I'm, in the middle. I'm, a, I'm a conscientious objector to this. Yeah. Fight. I, would, I would almost be like that with Josh, but the problem is Metal Gear's dead. There's no fight today. <laughs> Metal Gear's dead. It failed. It burned. It's gone. And for... It definitely didn't fail, but it is yeah, gone. Yeah, it's, it's, I, Metal Gear survived. The next series in the MGS series, dead and died and failed. For all and you all know, you Metal doing. Gear Solid could be behind the curtain waiting to come out, smash the glass. It's only Metal four, Gear and four hours away. Uh, um, yeah. For me, like I, it's weird. I've made a living off basically talking about Metal Gear into a microphone or whatever for however long now I've been here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love them for different reasons. You can have different kids and just like treat them. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> but look, if I was to put one above the other, Resident Evil, I think, is better overall. I mm-hmm. think there's more. I think you can get more out of it. I think we have got more out of it. If maybe metal if maybe metal gear sorry wasn't locked to kojima we might get more out of mm-hmm. it like that way but the, the fact that resident evil can be so much it's gone through so many creators and we've had so many games some awful and crap and some brilliant i think i'm gonna go with resident evil here the thing is as much as i adore metal gear metal gear Solid is like my favorite game of all time i think i think as of as an overall franchise you look at the strides that resident evil 4 did for us like how much it advanced the medium and how much i something like resident evil 2 uh remake is so stellar um, Resident Evil is right up there. I think if I was going to pick one or the other, my side would be Metal Gear. The only way to decide this is Josh Brown, then we'll move on. Josh Brown, you must pick a side. You must uh, cast your have, point. Do I have to pick a side? I think you're going to have to. I mean, it it's where not we binding. both knock each other out. In there, kind of like we both win. We both win. I go the 10 rounds. A three-way knockout time. punch. Um, um, unless, you would, uh, unless you'd really rather abstain, I'm curious what your gut tells you. Me and Scott are old snake and Shadow Shaska fighting on top of a... <laughs> uh, actually, oh, Shadow Shaska and Wesker fighting on top of a giant submarine right now, waiting for you yes. to save one of us. <laughs> well, okay, here we go. Metal Gear Solid, right? Is a ch- oh, they're both childhood favorites. It's just so difficult. They both have two of my favorite games of all time. Metal Gear Solid 2 and Resident Evil 4 are like just two of the all-timers. But if I had to go for a full franchise, if I had to kill one, for instance, if I was on a desert <laughs> island, and you're like, Josh, you can only have one franchise to replay over and 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 over again. I think it would be Resident Evil just because there's so many more and more good games. And I also agree with Ben Roy that I think the future is brighter for Resident Evil than it is mm. for Metal Gear Solid. And that's the only reason why. Do you know what? I think, like, yeah, my gut also says that I could I could replay the Resident Evils more than I could replay the Metal Gears. Because as much as I played through Metal Gear Solid 1, a hell of a lot in 2 and 3, 4, ain't no one... Re- I tried replaying 4. It's 8 hours of cutscenes and, like, 20 minutes of gameplay. And I love that thing. But it's uh, it's very hard to go back through, and it's not like we're replaying Peace Walker or Phantom Pain very much. So I I, I might have to concede. I and I, to... I I must own up on this for the for um I don't know what you would say journalist integrity. I'm never mm-hmm. going to be a journalist. Uh, I know I know this little troll Michael that uh, was in this question. I saw it, I saw the little <laughs> name, and he's smiling right now as he wrote this question while sitting on the toilet. So you've been defeated, Michael. Metal Gear sucks. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go that far, but we will move on. And uh, next question is from Tom Hardy, who says, "Do you think we'll ever see an open world on the same level as Red Dead Two before GTA Six? I like our I rock star, the only ones who can do this. I think our only opportunity for something on the level of a Red Dead or a GTA Six until GTA Six comes out was actually Cyberpunk. I think that was our mm. shot at getting a super detailed." super big super expansive contained open world 
and obviously i don't think that went down it. how yeah they shagged it to put it that wasn't going to be quite as straightforward but yeah they shagged it you know they kind of messed that opportunity up and i don't think we'll get another one until we get gta 6 because yeah we've got starfield next year but if the rumors are to be believed that isn't one big open world in the conventional sense it's going to be mm. a bunch of different planets so i don't know if that necessarily counts and yeah i do think cyberpunk was our was our chance to get something of a rock star level of a rock star quality and obviously they shagged it i just i mean rockstar one of the only companies that can afford to spend that much money over that much time on a world on, on just a world and prioritize it over everything else uh, and have gta online be this sort of financial backbone so they can afford to keep doing it um i don't even i i couldn't think of how many other studios are even in the position to be able to do that like it's the only other company that, that comes to mind in terms of that level of detail is naughty dog and i don't think they would ever do a full city-based open world thing and uh, it's like we're gonna get jack four but like done through the lens of like a GTA sized world. Uh, ben, what would you think? If we got Jack Four, I would quit. First of all, just want to say that <laughs> I would um, rejoice. But um, yeah, Cyberpunk was probably that one that was gonna be the thing, and then was restricted and cut down so much. By the end, we got like a sort of a, a husk of <laughs> you're, you're not breathtaking. Um, but like, I, I think about who's got. Uh, I don't know, suck my ass money, just come at me, bro. Uh, I'm just thinking <laughs> Phil, Phil's probably the only one out there who could produce it. that m- amount of money. Like, sure, Naughty Dog has the talent, maybe, but mm-hmm. does Jim Ryan have that in his back pocket? No, because Shuhei Yoshida likes expensive ramen. Just, I, very, just to very quickly explain, that term was suck my ass money. Carry on, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, following on from what Ben Roy said there, I do think if there is one game with a chance of doing it, and we've seen nothing of it, so there's nothing really to back this up other Fable. than franchise pedigree. But maybe Fable, maybe the next Fable might have a lifelike mm. big world. Like, obviously, you know, I don't want to judge it too much on the previous games because it's a whole new development, but maybe they go down that route. Maybe they make this massive open world kind of lifelike sandbox to explore. I don't know if that's what they're going to do or whether they're going to pump all the money into that, but maybe. Mm. Maybe. I mean, I guess I think of also like what Obsidian are doing with uh, Avowed. I guess when I think of like a Rockstar open world, especially the on the level of Red Dead 2, it's like, well, that is tons of bespoke animations. It's tons of like um, NPC cycles and AI routines and all these different things that I think are way more intricate than an Obsidian open world, than a Bethesda open world. It feels like a very rock, specific Rockstar trait. You're sort of doing single player campaign animation on, a, on the biggest scale possible. And that's one of the hardest things to do. Imagine if Phil gave Kojima suck my ass money and then kojima went we're not using that i mean we can't but (laughs) and and kojima literally went and i mean he like you could imagine what death stranding would have been if you could have gone into these cities properly instead of them just being a hole Mm. in the wall you know what i mean like this he's got the sort of like the the imagination and the scope there and i think at one point the budget just sort of like but no you need to you can have 2d holograms of some of your friends and that's it you've <laughs> got to get the game out of door you can't go into the cities apart from one bro one or two broken ones mm-hmm. yeah that whole game was a bunch of mountains and then the rest of it that was all yeah that. i think there's a reason for that though because like you like you mentioned there, death stranding and the phantom pain are both you know really great sandboxes really great open world games but they're not like lived in places and yeah, I there's think no that's because I, yeah. yeah yeah i don't think i'd trust kojima to do human npcs like imagine just normal people he could not Kojima write game normal he couldn't people. rein himself in no way no. like even like the jeff keely's and in the director cameos in death stranded as they're not real the people, nearest they're thing, celebrity cameos you know the what nearest I mean? thing that kojima had to a conversation between two just regular humans not superheroes not like over roided like you know uh military people was that really weird relationship quest in death stranding with the worst dialogue the worst acting in human yeah. history 
That a whole game of that, I mean, I would take it, but a whole game of that would be <laughs> abysmal. Um, so yeah, I pretty much know. I don't really think anyone else can do what Rockstar do, and it'll just be a case of waiting until whenever GTA 6 comes along. Um, next question from Steve8K. Is Silent Hill overhyped? I understand it's an oldie but a goodie, however, I feel the fanfare over it now stems from the magic of Kojima and what he made with PT. Thoughts? Look, it's basically because it's been gone so long and then Absent makes the heart grow fonder. Yes. If it was still going with the trash that they had towards the end, we would none of us would care. But be, I mean, some people would care because everyone, they're saying for everyone, right? But the fact that it's been gone for so long, I love those first few games. The ones afterwards, I can't be dealing with. Right. But I think it's literally just the, the space and the time. And the fact, like, it's one of the only things special anymore. Like, do you, you think, think it's of, like what's been gone? Sort of yeah. Thing. Do you think it's because, like you said, it's like, like he said, it's an oldie but a goodie. And like you said, it's, it's been gone for so long but then the thing that reignited the love of it was pt it was this like mythical demo that got cancelled so you've inside it psychologically you've got this thing that we were all denied the one that got away and stuff it's like the that perfect match yes perfect yeah it's like the like perfect soup. trifecta uh, i don't know i don't know boys i fully agree with do you think the love that. is in the originals i think it is entirely kojima and pt i don't think it's the originals See, I disagree, man. Like, just because I, I agree, obviously, like the later Silent Hill games, anything after four is kind of very niche, very much for the fans if they find anything in it. Like, they're not mainstream, they're not beloved in the same way that the originals are. But mm. as someone who got to Silent Hill very late, like, I only played through the first three games properly since I was too scared to play them as a kid, like back in 2015 or something. Okay. And for me, the magic was still there. Like I got a great experience from them, especially two, which I think definitely holds up as like one of the best survival horror yeah. games of all time. So I think, you know, even removed from PT, even removed from Kojima, like the magic of those first three games, especially and the promise and the potential that never got fulfilled is enough to sustain it as this top tier franchise that people want to come back, see come back. Because even before Kojima got involved, even before we had a taste of what PT could be, people were saying like, bring Silent Hill back mm. in a big way. You know what I mean? They, they, were, they weren't pleased with those games. They were pining for a return. And that's partly what made PT so special. Not only was it very good, not only did it have this great creator behind it, but it was a answer to a demand that had been there for like the long time. So I do True. certainly think it's both parts, but I feel like even on its own without you know the recent happenings i feel like there'd still be a hunger for it because those games just at least for my money are just some of the best horror games going well it's like a certain strand of horror that i don't think hardly anyone else does that well like a, a type of body horror a type of eastern horror like i mean and plus like you're twinning it with hideo kojima like i feel like online the version of hideo kojima that exists is this like can do no wrong adonis of like masterful storytelling masterful character writing and everything else and he does nail some original ideas and i love the guy i'm like obviously i said i love metal gear solid death stranding was brilliant but at the end for me it fall it fell apart but i wonder if that's also part of the hype it's like oh my god this phantom perfect game this perfect twinning of this mastermind with this insane IP um, could only you know be the best thing ever, but there's not really been any advancement on it in in years. I think it's it's a bit like Splinter Cell Man, where it's been gone for so long, and those first couple of games were so good. Like I'm looking at the HD collection on PS3 every mm. day on eBay. Like shall I? Shall I? Mm -hmm. Like I'm like for I'm waiting. Hill, uh, yeah, I'm waiting to see what Hassan Karaman's got to say to me tonight, and if he's going to come out with the goods. And if he doesn't come out with the goods, I'm going to send the lads around, and then I'm going to buy that collection. I'm going to play those first two games again because I want them. What and you I, do I, is great. send the lads around to Konami and tell them to put the fog back in Silent Hill because they took it out of uh, the That was HD the Xbox collection. version, so that one's dead and done forever. But okay, the PS3 okay. version is actually all right. 
Right, for some okay. reason, they're just different. I don't know why. That is weird, yeah, because that was the whole thing when the HD collection came out and everyone was like, oh my God, we can finally revisit this stuff. And then the no fog thing did they, the wrong. They fixed PS3 and let Xbox 360 just That's die. good. They should definitely like put that out as a modern day remastered trilogy thing. But yeah, yes. Silent Hill, who even knows? I mean, I guess like it's a mix. It's a mix of everything. But at the same time, underneath all of it is that Silent Hill should be a presence in the gaming industry. Um, next question from Steve, who says, I miss movie video games. What game based on a movie from the last few years would you guys have liked to play? I'm going to go with John Wick. Yes, John Wick's a great <laughs> show. Like a proper... Str uh, John Wick yep. done in an updated engine of John Woo's Stranglehold. Like, that's what I want to oh, see. Oh, that's too much shooting, that. I would have it on... Too much shooting. Uh, give, me, give me Sleeping Dogs Melee Combat. Give me uh, Jet Li's Rise to Honor. Give me Jackie Chan's Stuntmaster. Give me all those melee-focused martial arts games. Give me Sifu with a John Wick skin, and you're pretty much there for me. Interesting. I, need I just, I want to just, I want to give me the Minority Report game. This is how much I love martial arts brawlers. The um, the Minority <laughs> Report game was genuinely brilliant, and it was like just full on brawler, nothing to do with the movie, but you could just throw people through play glass windows. You could do roundhouse kicks in slow motion. It was great. I would like to play the video game version of The Happening, and I would like to try and dodge the wind <laughs> and try and save Hot Dog Man and make sure he doesn't die. Because that movie, watched it the other night. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. It does Why did you watch uh, The Happening in 2021? Because 2021 is <laughs> the perfect time for The Happening. And when I had a power oh. cut and I had to go to a friend's house and watch The Happening, I'm going to watch The Happening rather than sit with candlelight, reading The Walking Dead, drinking whiskey, basically in the dark. <laughs> I love that your two options were to sit in the dark yeah. or watch The Happening. I would have left the house. I would have just gone back to my own place and sat in the darkness. Um, yeah. Dude, 
we should get. It's not a movie, so I'm kind of cheating the question, but I'm okay. still adamant that we need this Mandalorian game. The Mandalorian almost works better as a game than it does a TV show. Oh, it's literally a game anyway. It yeah. is, it is structured yeah. like it, man. So I feel like it's, I'm pretty sure there was a rumor and um, a little while ago about it potentially finally happening. So I hmm. hope. I hope that finally happens. I would have done. I mean, the, like the entire the, the entire run of the MCU. Like you know, we had the we had initial initial few games with like Thor and Captain America. I actually quite liked the first Captain America game that went alongside the first movie. But the whole rest of that MCU, there were no tie-in games. There were there was nothing that took advantage of all those big fights or anything. Like the nearest thing to you know having fun with those characters uh, in video game form was like the Lego tie-ins, and then it was like eventually Spidey came back. But I would have loved some MCU stuff, maybe, maybe per game. Maybe like uh, I, one of the later, later stage Nicolas Cage films when he's kind of had a little renaissance. Like maybe let me play Mandy or I was say the whenever, Mandy game. <laughs> whenever I see pig, whenever I get to see pig, I want to just find pig. Uh, I want to find that little pig and protect my pig. I don't know what pig is, but I know it's a thing. Josh, do you want to play the Mandy game? No, I don't want to watch Mandy. <laughs> mate. Never mind. Play the Mandy. Mandy was game. the best film of that year. It, it might have. Maybe in opposite land. Hey. hey, hey. <laughs> Speaking of opposite land, next question doesn't make sense, but it is the next question from Coach Marv, who said, I decided to make my uh, 2021 my year of retro, collecting and playing essential video games I either missed out on or didn't fully play. What quote-unquote essential video game have you not yet played that you really should or really want to at some point? I think at this point in our collective careers, we've plugged most of these gaps, but... I just got a little just got a little face on, so I don't know if you say that, man. But there's there's a, there's a lot I'm embarrassed to admit that I've never properly dabbled in. Obviously, mm. you've been telling me forever to play the original Final Fantasy VII, which yep. I definitely need to get to at some point. But on top of that, it's that kind happened. of like mostly just Nintendo stuff. Like I'm so far behind on <laughs> n- Nintendo franchises in general. Like I played my second ever Zelda this year. Like I need to catch up <laughs> on um, a lot Metroid, of Zeldas, especially in Metroid. Yeah, Metroid is something I've just not touched apart from an hour on the very first one, which is not a good first impression. Not for the love of God, I just avoid the first one. Just go to Super Metroid. You'll be fine. You don't need the first one ever. So you say. So you say. <laughs> I um it has arrived. Uh, I've been curious about this one for quite a while. Just for some reason, I never wanted to put that many coins down for it, but I won. Alice Madness returns. There you go. <laughs> when you put this in our group chat, I was just like, I mean, yeah, I remember when American McGee was like doing the rounds. I'm sure you had two or yeah. three games, but that was a that was a big deal. I played the first one on PC like a uh, hundred years ago when I was a a, a personal computer gamer. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just never got around to this one. I think it came out like around the time of like gears free and stuff like that and just it just sort of passed me by went into the went into the ether but i was you know what that's a game that exists and i've never played it and i'm gonna play that one soon fair mine's uh absolutely half-life i've just as much as i've, I've tried Ooh. to play uh half-life 2 i got quite far through half-life 2 but it, it just never clicks and i don't know if it's because i never got through one um but i just there's something about the way those games feel that sort of i've actually it's it's also left for dead because it's the way that that game engine feels it just doesn't feel satisfying to me you're not a source you're not a source yeah i just don't like the way that it feels and i remember i went to half-life 2 i played it on playstation 2 which i know will make some people's ears bleed but i played (laughs) half-life 2 on playstation 2 and it was it was after um you know halo on the original xbox it was after that big sort of push for console first person shooters um, and I get the whole thing of Half-Life's not a dedicated first-person shooter, whatever. But it didn't work. It didn't click with me. And I've, I've gone back to it. I tried it on the Orange Box. I've tried it on my Series X. Um, I just keep trying, and it never feels good. And, yeah, I've, that's that's a franchise that I've tried and bounced off. Left for Dead, I played a demo back in the day, and that was as far as I got. So I've not even... Crazy. I do oh. not... I don't even care. I don't even know. I've looked at the when back you, for Blood footage. Don't care. 
Have you got? Have you officially got a, the one of those Steam Deck things? Are you getting one? I've, I've, I'll put my name down for one. I, I guess it'll be coming well, some point can, next year. Play Half Life Two on that because okay. it will just play that on the go or something. I mean, you should you play Half Life Two backwards combat if you've got the orange box as well. I did that. That's last what I mean. Year. Yeah, yeah. You can play it on Xbox right now, and I have done. I just. I just don't, nothing about that world or the way that it feels, I don't get it. It doesn't do anything that for me burn. at all. It burns us. Go on, Josh. <laughs> no, no, somewhere, somehow, Rich, Hutch, Rich Hudson is sensing a disturbance in the force. He He's just looked up to the wrong. side. <laughs> yes. He knows something's He's felt wrong. the back of his neck just kind of tingle hearing you say these words. That is, and, uh, that's he a knows. mind, especially because you've tried it a few times. I kind of get trying it and maybe bouncing off, but, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. Brilliant. I don't know. I just, there's something about that game whether it's the mute protagonist whether it's the fact that i didn't bank the first one but then even the parts of the first one that i've seen the whole giant alien thing at the end i just nothing about it i care about osley and, and rich did tell me what happens during alex and the big twist at the end of alex no, sounds really really that. cool um but other than that i don't really know so yeah that'll be mine um next question from jacob wright loving the content boys thank you very much um have you guys ever played the same game on a different console and felt that one was superior i played crash Sparrow, celeste doom and bioshock on switch and i'm sorry these feel better than they do on xbox or playstation now that's madness jacob wright but but i'm but i respect your right to bless your heart bless bless you that's all i can say i mean to be fair i know exactly what he means and every time i do play something on switch i love it on switch but yeah. if I'm directly Celeste comparing especially, them. like I think that's yeah. a good shout. I'm pleased I played that on Switch and not PlayStation 4, even though there's no real difference. It just kind well, of feels like it suits the Switch more. So, maybe, yeah, Celeste is fine because it's it's very like very tight, very level-based platformer. It's 2D, that's all fine. But um for me, Crash Spyro, Doom, Bioshock, they're like, you know, more bigger production titles. And playing them on Switch, I would notice the jaggies, I would notice the lack of rendering capability. And the only time I tried a bigger game on Switch was Ellie Noir, and it just looked horrific, and I returned it. <laughs> and uh that that was my attempt at that. But what do you guys think of that stuff? I guess they I, um yeah, platform comparisons and I said this a few weeks ago and got a surprising amount of validation for it because I thought I was going to be on my lonesome, but it's definitely (laughs) Resident Evil 4 on the Wii. Resident Evil 4 with the motion controls absolutely slaps. But we've all had a laugh, all right? Had a fun time. I've had three pints made. You know, I'm completely (laughs) off the deep end. Um, And and that's the the shout for me, I think. think Benoit, does that wound you as a a Resident Evil I've heard many people, a few people that I respect in this world say this before, and one of them being Josh and... I'm like, sure, if you want baby graphics and you want rubbish frame rates and you want to be one of those, sitting sit in Reggie's pram as you play that game, then fine. But I mean, you're, you're wrong. Have you tried it? I'm curious whether there's some like amazing quality to it that we're just missing. I've got, I've owned that. Yeah, I owned it on the Wii because my mum got my sister a Wii and I thought I, I might as well try the Playmobil version. And it was, you know, <laughs> Fisher Price plus one. Yeah, it's fine, I guess, but you're wrong. PS, the, P, the PC version is probably the best one because then you can mouse it and almost do the same thing. But mm. uh, see, for I, me, like the the nearest thing for this is remembering when the the first Xbox came on the scene and there was loads of third party stuff that on the Xbox was just slightly different. Like I remember Blood Omen two running in it. It just the, it rendered better. The like, Kane's face looked a bit better. I remember the original PS one Spider Man when that made its way to Dreamcast. His individual fingers moved, and I was just sat there as a kid going like, I don't need that. It doesn't look better. My PS one one looks better because I don't. Should I concede to something as well? Like this yes. is another fanboy thing. Like like. I didn't, the first time I played Splinter Cell games were on the PS2, and then oh. when I saw them on the PS, when I saw them on the Xbox, and you saw how much better some of the lighting, lighting looks, the levels more are better levels, and everything. Yeah, there was less check, there was less like segmenting of the levels. Yeah, 
oh, I was wrong the whole time. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, 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 this is why you you return, you give up on your fanboydom and just play the best version wherever, or play whatever you want, wherever you want, apart from Resident Evil 4 on the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go to where to where the best version is um yeah i mean like if you're speaking of splinter cell as well if you played double agent on original xbox or 360 you played a completely different version of that game yeah um but actually do you guys have a quick thought on which one of those is better i actually prefer the original xbox one i prefer the the mechanics Ooh. in that game because the whole thing of like if you get caught by a guard and um, they do like a little quick time event where you can do like a martial arts takedown thing and get out of it it doesn't actually count as like a as an alarm i also thought that was a really cool mechanic they should have done more with I only played I like the, the PS2 version of that game. Right. Interesting. I only, well, I, I've, I've played the other one since, but I played the 360 version to death. So by default, mm. that's my preferred version. Just I was never so actually been through it. the 360 version. Never. Wow. Never bothered. I remember one of my, one of my, on one of my friends had it. I know, we'll see, one of my friends had it, and then I went to buy it, and I could, I still had my original Xbox, so I got it on there, and I was like, this is a great version of it. I mean, it's, it's almost, I think it is the Chaos Theory game engine anyway, and um, and I just never bothered. Like, I have 360 Double Agent now, and I re I started it when I got my Series X, I did that insane launch window of just trying everything, um, but there's no impetus to go through it, because I've already been through the best version of that game, so I don't, I don't need it. But um, next question from Joshua Utley, who says, what do you think it will take to steer the industry into another golden age of gaming? Golden age of gaming. Love the thoughts you all bring to the table each week. Well, thank you very much. Um, what do you guys, yeah, what comes to mind? I guess, what do you think the industry is lacking? And what do you think would would then set in motion a series of trends that would be another golden age? I think maybe give it another three or so years. I think we're getting out of this Fortnite rut of like, let's mm. make everything like Fortnite and let's make everything. I mean, there are still some big services coming out, but we're seeing creators splitting off from stuff like Rockstar and everywhere else. So, you got that there's no moon or that's no moon that's games no moon, yeah yeah like forming like this super team i think like we're now like some companies are getting so big and they're just doing the big gluttonous things but we're also having other creators split off mm. and i think when we get to the middle of this generation it'll be another one i think like every mid of every generation is going to be someone's golden age for example like i think games are always going to get better like you, we can say to death that the original like Super Nintendo is the best, but it won't be. And at one point games, I think personally, I think will always get better, mm -hmm. even though things in the past hold up significantly. I think it's interesting. Like, you know, you think of the 2000s and it was like this big boom period of like the, the top tier games of the 2000s was still had artistic integrity in a way that the top yeah. tier games in the 2010s didn't. And the 2010s had this big boom of indie stuff, which restored the narrative, the artistic groundwork, but without the production value. And I would hope that in the 2020s, um, they like hybridize the two that you do get these big top tier titles that still have a core to them. They don't feel completely nakedly money grubby like the Avengers or Anthem or X Defiant or whatever. I would hope that those things go to the wayside. I think there's a place for them, but they've got to be done well. Um, and I would hope that it's like a middle ground of that. Once you balance those things out and you acknowledge the greed and it gets bred out of the industry, then that would lead to a golden age where you have a, a some sort of nexus of the, the appropriate budgetary constraints, but allowing the right ideas to get through and not just sort of cutting the legs off something to release it and release dates have to mold around that stuff there's so much that needs to be done with making sure that the product that we get at the end of that is actually of quality as well so it's not just a series of cyberpunks yeah totally i think there's like a lot of work to be done obviously but i think it is maybe doable and i'm hoping that we're seeing <clears> some kind of shift now like ben roy said you know every single generation there's always a trend that dominates and that people follow you know there was modern military games after cod 4 then there was obviously hmm. open world games then there were live services with destiny and fortnite battle royales and all that stuff 
And I feel like, you know, now as we kind of mature beyond the initial stage of what we kind of transformed into in the late 2010s, we kind of like hopefully made all the mistakes that we could have. Like we've made the loot box mistakes. We've made the microtransactions mistakes. And I'm not saying there's going to be no more going forward, but it feels like all of those big issues have been kind of identified. All of the Mm -hmm. big mistakes have been made and you can't do it again. You can't just repeat those mistakes and expect people to continue buying things so hopefully we learn from those mistakes in a way that makes games better you know microtransactions and live services they're never going going away because that just makes too much money now like the business model has changed mm-hmm. to prioritize making games last and making these in-game purchases make most of your revenue so that's never going to go away but hopefully we find a way to um be creative with it to yes have those elements but make them service creative ideas innovative ideas and i think mm-hmm. we get that alongside um a more diversification of triple a titles you know moving away from only green lighting blockbuster games and you know taking a risk on a few you know mid-tier and um, new franchises rather than just having this gulf between indie and triple a i think that's yeah. a step in the right direction and then yeah finally just echoing what you were saying there scott mm-hmm. um about you know release dates and the pressure that you put on the developers to hit those release dates and crunch and everything that goes with it because you know they might seem like two different um problems when it comes to creativity and when it comes to the treatment like of the workers but obviously they interlock so much and if you've got yeah. a team that isn't allowed to be creative is crunching for a deadline and then immediately going into the next game or even if they're not doing that they're immediately patching things up updating games and getting them to where they should be as is the, as is the case of cyberpunk that leads to you know burnout it leads to a mm. lack of creativity and it leads to these games just not fulfilling their potential so i feel like we've got to address issues from the top down essentially i'm not saying anything new there but it is a massive problem but hopefully no, true. we're shifting into the right direction yeah yeah i think i mean like all that stuff like i mean the, the one thing that the 2010s has done obviously there are so many insane tire fire releases um but it's still it's shone such a light on the developers like getting those stories out there the fact that jason try has really come into his own across the 2010s uh, and the likes of jeff grubb and video game chronicle and all these different journalists that are being able to do those sort of reports that can highlight those issues um only benefits everybody in the long run especially the people putting these things together um and everything that's happening with activision blizzard and all those kind of things too um i would hope that going forward there's like a a major systemic and seismic change uh, in regards to the making of video games and the companies behind them. Um, Benroy, did you have anything else to throw in there? Oh, I think I am. Um, I think I said <laughs> my thing. Would you like a 10-minute monologue, sir? Um, <laughs> next question from Tristan Vetter, who says, Afternoon, sirs, what game were you sad about finishing all the content in, but you could have carried on playing for hours more? And this kind of follows on from what uh, me and Josh were talking about on Monday in regards to I will not plunge the depths of side content in a game. When I hit credits, I'm done, unless unless it's something that really feels like I need to go mine the rest of it. Um, But yeah, do you guys have anything that comes to mind where you hit credits and you're like, that's it. There should be more to it. Ooh. Ooh. Not in a way of I thought there should be more, but in a way of I would have definitely taken more is Disco Elysium. Like... That mm. game is really well paced, I think. And it, the story wraps up really nicely. It's not too short, not too long. But I could have played it for like 80 hours. When I was finishing it, it was <laughs> one of those games, you know, sometimes you, you finish a game and you're done with it. You're like, I don't want to look at you. I don't want to look yes. at you days gone. I want to pretend I didn't play 70 hours of you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But with Disco Elysium, it was a case of I'd finished it and I immediately dove into the content. I was like, give me the video essays. Give me the interviews with the developers. Let me continue to live in this world for a little bit longer. That 
And just to quickly shout out what me and you were talking about the other day, Scott, maybe even yesterday, Uncharted 4, like when I finished mm-hmm. that single player campaign, I wanted to get the uh, trophies and I wanted to get the platinum because I was mm-hmm. like, I want to squeeze a little bit more content out of this. I want to enjoy this for a little bit longer. Mine, by a landslide, is Metal Gear Solid 5. I just, I wish that Konami, like obviously it's because Kojima left, but I wish they'd even would have just done like base mission packs for that game. I just wanted to play more of it. I love that. That game is still hands down the most fun I've had playing a third person action game ever. I just think that the way that all the different systems interlock the experimentation you can do with your loadouts and all the different things like the Pokemon style and um, you know like catching of soldiers who have better stats and you're getting your entire mother base stuff ranked up and um, just loved all the treadmills all the different loops that were going on in that game and uh, the story's complete ridiculousness I love the whole final twist thing but I wanted so much more literal more length content um, out of the game itself I was going to say MGS5, but Scott just said exactly everything <laughs> I was going to say. So mine will be, I think, Resident Evil, the newest one, Resident mm. Evil 8. Mm-hmm. I think there was a bit of like, yeah. they, there's a bit of like jump, jumping around and then, ah, you're sort of done. And then some more jump into certain points. You're like, well, what about this? Where was that? Are we, excuse me? Like, it, it, I it thought we like more the like last, with more castle but, stuff. Yeah, they're like, I feel like you could have gone back to the castle. But like the last quarter or last third just kind of goes... Ah, we've got to finish now, uh, sort of thing. Just about like a, a sprint to the finish. Mm-hmm. And I felt a bit like that with, um, I'm going to say Gears 5 as well. I feel like Gears 5 was missing something in the middle. I feel like you go from fads being sort of like laughing about murdering innocent, innocent civilians, but you're yeah. all right, And then they're all, then you're all friends. Like uh, it feels like there was a, almost a chapter missing where the Faz and JD have some sort of like redemption mm-hmm. arc, but no, they're just friends and we forget that they help. They kind of like shot innocent civilians. So yeah, they, yeah, they, I, yeah, they do a massive yeah. thing with that where he just comes back into the story. He's like, he's all right now, and it's just sort yeah. of like, oh, is he? Because like <laughs> two hours ago, he was like, you know, a real, a real piece of uh, of S. But like, still, I think yeah, that there's um stuff like that where it's just sort of if they build any sort of addictive gameplay loop and then cut it off if it doesn't feel like the whatever came together on the development side to make it satisfactory, then then any of those games, all those games, um, are totally valid. Um, For now, though, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. Thank you to everybody for sending in your questions. We might do this again going forward, depending on what stories are out there. Hashtag abandoned, but we'll see what happens. Um, For now, though, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ben Turner. Don't disappoint me, Caraman. Come on, let's go. (laughs) And Josh Brown. Text me as soon as you know. Please just tell me the information I need to know when it comes I'm to I'm sure it. it'll lead to a Silent Hill Metal Gear Solid Shared Universe and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.